0: Hey everybody, this is Jay from Sub70. Just wanted to give a quick introduction to this episode of our podcast. Uh, we were lucky enough to have Retief Goosen join us. Jason spoke with Retief uh, regarding his two U.S. Open wins, traveling uh, throughout his career and playing golf all around the world. His current status, where he is playing both on the PGA Tour and slowly transitioning over to some Champions Tour events. Also, discussed his World Golf Hall of Fame induction, uh, which is taking place this year. So, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Please check out our website and the rest of our episodes at golfsub70.com. Here is the interview. I know you're playing this week on the PGA Tour, um, wondering how your game is feeling, and, and wondering how you still relish the competition uh, on the PGA Tour and does it still get your juices flowing to go out there and, and play against that uh, younger generation and see how your game stacks up?
1: Yes, definitely. I'm uh, very excited playing this week. Um, playing with the youngsters, I actually played uh, nine holes yesterday with Charles uh, um whose uh, swing is looking really good at the moment. I think if he... He's going to get his putter going, he'll do well. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm playing a golf course that I like. Um, I finished second here a couple of years ago. And, um, yeah, I think the, the, the practice I got out of my swing in the last couple of weeks, uh, playing on a Champions Tour, hopefully will, will carry forward this week. I felt like last week I was starting to swing the club uh, better and putting a little better. So um, I'm, I'm excited to get out here tomorrow
0: and uh, give it a go. Looking at your 2019 schedule, um, what, have, what percentage do you think will be playing on the Champions Tour, and, and how many PGA Tour events would you still like to be able to fit into that?
1: Um, I would. I would like to play quite a few uh, still on the PGA Tour, but you know, uh, I've been out there on the, on the regular tours and uh, since now 28 plus years. Um, so it was actually quite nice to the last couple of weeks to see faces that I've. Uh, not seen for a while, uh, that I played with a number of years ago, guys that are just a little older than me. Um, so it was, it was good fun to catch up with some of the guys. Um, so at the moment, I, I think I'm probably going to play about uh, you 70-80% know, of my events on the Champions Tour um, and try and fit in a, a few um, PGA Tour events in between. But uh, I think it's... It's time for me to move off into a uh, uh, another chapter in my career and uh, and give it a good go on the on the Champions Tour.
0: I was uh, looking at your uh, Champions Tour starts. You've been on uh, started twice this year with a T six last week. So you're getting into the mix of uh, you know getting closer to that first victory out there. So you're playing well. But my question too is, what has surprised you the most on? on the competition or being out in the Champions Tour so far that maybe something you didn't think about that has kind of surprised you a little bit from competing and being out there?
1: Well, you know, <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be tough. I mean, you look at the scoring the guys uh, the guys uh, make, you know, 17, 16, 18 under for three rounds of golf. It doesn't matter what uh, golf course you play; you got to play well to shoot that and that scoring. And you know, from my experience playing around the world, wherever I won around the world, I know those events I won. I played, I played great golf, beating those players. Uh, the fields might not have been that deep, but uh, you, you had to play some of your best golf to win. And I expect that to be the same on the Champions. Um, I mean, uh, Bernard Langer is obviously playing amazing still. Um, Yeah, and last week, you know, I had a chance. I had to birdie the last hole again in a playoff and ended up making bogey, which was very uh, disappointing. But, um, uh, yeah, I I look forward to the rest of the season and giving myself uh, chances uh, to win.
0: Is it a little bit different of a mindset with, you know, without a cut, does it, does it feel like you got to put the pedal down faster out there, just straight out of the gate versus kind of letting the rounds come to you a little bit, knowing how low those scores are over three rounds? Is there a little bit of a different thought process kind of going into those weeks versus regular tour events?
1: Yeah. I mean, yes, you, you need to, you need to very from the first hole start, um, uh, I think yeah, in a regular tour event, you, you're sort of trying to make sure, y- you know, there's no real big mistakes that completely puts you out in the first couple of rounds and you missed the cut. Um, so, you know, from the very first hole onwards on a champions, you need to buy a birdies. Um which also can add pressure to you because you sort of know you have to make birdies and it can get frustrating that, you know, everybody around you is shooting seven under and you hovering around even past
0: sometimes it, uh, it it is frustrating i know um you have some new equipment in the bag this year from callaway um question is what clubs what changes have you made for 2019 and then how do you go about that process for you to actually put a a club into play and, and is there something us amateurs could kind of learn from that process of how you go about selecting your equipment and then making that final decision? Like I'm going to game this and, and, and we're going to put in play because I think it fits me the best. And how do you go about that essentially? Yes. Um,
1: I, I was excited uh, moving to Callaway uh, this year. Uh, I know it's a great brand and uh, their golf balls are very good. Um, um, so I, I think at the end I made the the right decision going with them. I, I liked the the look and the feel of the of the clubs. Um Callaway is I putted with a Callaway putter for many years anyway, so putting was not uh a issue for me. It was just finding I'm I'm comfortable with and I've I've uh, I've used these first uh, couple of events uh, playing um one one tournament with have one set of irons and another tournament with another set of irons and i think i've now settled into irons that i'm i'm comfortable with and i like the look and the, and the feel of um, but uh so the decision was was hard but i'm i'm very happy now i'm very very uh happy with the the golf ball too the callaway golf ball it has a uh, very much everything I need in a ball. You got speed off the driver and yet I got spin, uh, and, and feel with the iron. So I'm very excited about that.
0: Is, is one over the other more difficult to, to get comfortable with the ball or the clubs is, is, is at your level is one more challenging to get exactly right for you?
1: Um, I think, you know, I think for us, it's, it's the ball is quite important. Um, Iron is iron. Depends if you play a blade. A blade is a blade. Um, they all pretty much have similar feel and uh, and performance, unless you go to some of irons that has a little hotter face. Um, so I think you you need for your for your swing speed and uh, uh, to get the right spin rate. Right, the ball is important. Um, knowing that you're going to stand over a shot and how the ball's going to react is definitely a, a
0: plus. Uh, let's talk about the Hall of Fame. What an honor. Uh, you'll be inducted this year. Um, I'm assuming it has to mean a ton to your you know your career and recognition of what you've accomplished with some really great golf around the world. And also, does it also, I'm assuming, has to be f- reflective of the people who helped you get to the success that you've had? So it has to be for your family and friends, everybody, one, one heck of an, uh, an honor of a lifetime.
1: Oh yes, no, definitely. Um, I, I I was up against uh, tough uh, tough competition to to get the nod, and uh, I'm I'm very uh, proud and uh, that the selection committees and and, and so on uh, has found what I've uh, done for golf around the world uh, has as got me in. Um, yes, uh, there's been a lot of people. Uh, helping me getting there, you know, your sponsors, uh, family, the sacrifice, uh, from not being at home and being on the road for weeks in and weeks out. When I was in my prime, I played 35, 37 tournaments a year. Um, so I was away a lot. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all paying off now. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm very proud and honored to, to be inducted in, in June. And, uh, and be with all the greats and uh, legends and people that has done such a good thing for the game of golf
0: also in your career you've you know always been known as a world player you've won on every major tour and two part question do you think playing around the world made you a you know total and complete player that you may have not accomplished what you accomplished without that experience and do you think it's short-sighted a little bit for the younger players who just maybe want to go especially here in the States, where they just want to go from college to the web to the PGA Tour without that experience of playing all over? Do you, do you think they're maybe potentially missing something by not going that route?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, golf obviously is a global game. Um, for me, uh, Ernie, Gary Player, um, we we played around the world. and uh, We found that winning around the world has made us stronger and uh it's 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 grown the game of golf around the world what we've tried that was one of our goals to try and grow the game around the world and also build a brand for yourself around the world so people recognize you uh wherever you are um it would be good i think if some of the guys. Go out and, and and play a little bit around the world. Uh, there's a number of uh, Americans now doing that, playing a little bit in the Middle East and and so on, um, which is good to see, and it's and, and it's great for the game to get these top players to go and
0: go around the world and 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 build the game. I've had other South African you know players on the podcast, and Mr. Player's name always comes up, so. A, what sort of influence, you know, besides playing golf around the world did he have on you? And what's maybe a couple of his best attributes that you just simply admire uh, on a human level about Mr. Player?
1: Well, yeah, Gary uh, is an amazing man. And uh, he, uh, you know, the thing I admire about Gary Player is is, uh, just his outlook in life. Um, You know, that guy could not have won as many tournaments as he has, with uh, total commitment and 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 being very positive. I mean, Gary is one of the positive, most positive persons I I know. He never has anything bad to say. He, um, he only just talks good stuff the whole time, and that's what keeps him so young. And I think uh, and and exercise you know he's uh, he's been a great role model for a lot of players
0: for a long time you know work put in the effort uh,
1: and it pays off
0: yeah he was really ahead of that curve when it came to getting your body in shape for golf it's uh it, i mean by about 50 years or so it's pretty crazy of the trend you know looking back he was one of the first guys to do it and you know obviously it paid off for his career so trendsetter in more than one way to say the least um Major championships, you have you have two of them. The, uh, U.S. Opens, first one at uh, two thousand one at Southern Hills Iconic Club. You win in a playoff, you know, in a in a major, win your first major championship. Looking back, what's sort of the the memories of that week? And to get that first one, it has to be one heck of a feeling that you're you know a part of history forever. You know, you're sort of in that club at that point.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I played in Europe obviously for a number of years before that uh, 0-1 uh, victory. Um, and uh, the week before, I played the English Open, and I actually was hitting the ball really good, but just wasn't making the putts. And um, I came over here and had a practice round with Nick Price around Southern Hills, and he uh, he won around that course, so it was great to to play with him and see how he handled the course and what clubs he was hitting and I really uh, from round one I I was comfortable with the golf course and I started making putts and um, uh, yeah and the end obviously <laughs> the 72nd hole was a little bit of a nightmare but I managed to come back the following day in a playoff
0: to to win it. How do you find that resiliency of to come back from you know what happened on you know, the last hole and then come back and and keep it together and take it one, you know, I'm assumed one shot at a time and to stay focused enough to get through that gauntlet. It, it had to A, be an interesting experience and to go through, and B, boy, you had to have some confidence coming through something like that to, to get it done in the end.
1: Yes, at, at that time, uh, I was working with a sports psychologist, uh, Josh von Stepout, for probably two to almost three years at that time. So I knew my the mental side of the game, how important it is. Um, I surprisingly, yeah, it was just, I felt pretty comfortable coming back that following day. Um, I knew I had just one guy to beat. Um, I knew the the mistake I made on the 72nd hole was just purely a a lack of of experience and I lost my focusing for a little bit there and and made the mistake. Um, So the following day, I, I played. I played well. I putted well again. Um, I felt uh, confident. Funny enough, um, that I was going to pull it off, and it turned out to be. Uh, it turned out to be my 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 victory. Um, but uh, you've learned. I've learned a lot from that. How important it is to stay focused, you know, till the last putt goes in, and uh, that's definitely. Uh, help my career from day on to really move to another level.
0: Then in 2004 at Shinnecock, that performance on Sunday, uh, obviously you must have saw how difficult uh, that golf course was playing from the guys out early. You go out that day and beat the field average by nine shots, 24 putts on greens that were, for most people, virtually unputtable. And my question is, how, how do you, you know, once again, it's kind of like what us amateurs can learn, how, how, does, how do you take – those conditions and then perform the way you performed under those, that pressure to win a major, you know, and, and, and not let the moment get too big. So in other words, how did you deal with that final round to, to, to perform the way you performed and, and get your second major title?
1: That that was, that was, uh, uh a, a tough round, not just a golf course, but, uh, mentally wise and, uh, playing against, uh, really Phil Mickelson uh, with a New York crowd was, uh, was very difficult. Um, And that's where I think the, the mental side of the game that I've worked on has really helped me Um, to block out what was going on on the outside of the ropes. uh, uh, People saying things that trying to intimidate you, uh, trying to get you to make mistakes. You know, my caddy was saying to me, Oh, did you hear what that guy just said? And I said, no, I didn't. And, uh, you know, I was in such a such a zone that um, uh, a lot of that stuff didn't uh, um, influence me. Um, so uh, I was very proud of, of me hanging in there and uh, and bucking all of that out to,
0: to pull off that that victory. Do you, do you have a, uh, a difficult time when the guys were complaining about the conditions in 2018 for, for what you guys went through in 2004? I didn't know if uh, you kind of found that ironic versus the conditions you guys had to play it, you know, uh, that weekend and especially on that course. And, and you know, when you won it, it had to be, I'm assuming, more looking more difficult in old 4 than what the guys had for this year.
1: Well, yeah, it, it it was disappointing not to to be there. Um, I tried to pre-qualify and missed by a couple of shots, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was funny. They said they weren't going to make that uh, the greens get out of hand like that again, <laughs> and they managed to do it again. But uh, there's something about a U.S. Open, you know, um, it's it's to the limit. Every every hole is pushed to the limit, and and it's sometimes difficult to 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 get it perfect on every hole. And we saw uh, in '04 when I won that a couple of greens got unparable, and and the same happened again in '18. So yeah, it uh, it's just the way a U.S. Open is. You don't actually expect anything to be fair.
0: Yeah, and everyone's playing the same golf course, right? So, it, I mean, you can. I think you could probably take it one of two ways: you take the challenge, or you could have a negative thought of saying it's impossible. And it seems like the guys who embrace the challenge of it have have gotten through that gauntlet. At least from a fan's perspective, that's sort of the perspective I see.
1: Yeah, I, I've always seemed to want either in tough conditions or more on tougher golf courses, uh, because in the back of your mind, you sort of know, yeah, okay, maybe half of the field's given up already before the tournament start. Um, and, uh, the guys that can grind it out, uh, a par, uh, is a good score. That's maybe sort of the golf courses I like.
0: You also had one heck of a good run at the masters in a six year stretch, uh, in a six year stretch, your worst finish was a tie for 13th. So, uh, Thoughts on the tournament. Why did you play that golf course so well? And if you could have gotten a third major title from the regular PGA Tour, is that the one that you feel you were closest to getting? I know you also played well in the Open Championship. So sort of your thoughts on your yes. run at the Masters.
1: Yeah, the, the Masters, I really, I mean, it's a special place. Uh, when you drive through those gates, and I, I finished second there a couple of times. and I've had my... Up there probably to win and just just couldn't do it and made a few mistakes in the final round and that that cost you and it was the same at the British Open I would have loved to have won a British Open and had many top ten finishes but just was never able to really have a chance coming down the last uh, just one round kept me away you need four good rounds to to pull it off. Um, Obviously, 05 U.S. Open at Pinus was very disappointing, leading going in the last round and then completely lost it. That uh, And then my good friend Michael Campbell came through uh, from behind to, to win it. But um, I would have loved to have had a, a green jacket, that's for sure.
0: I don't think uh, it's a player that would not love to have that green jacket. Did the golf course fit your eye? Was it a... Were you- fairly comfortable quickly when you got to Augusta
1: Well yeah i mean Augusta it obviously changed a lot over the years from when i played it the first time till the last time how many yards they've lengthened it by and how many more trees was planted uh, i think augusta i loved it because of the greens um i loved those uh, really fast slippery big breaking uh, greens i seem to put well on that difficult conditioned greens and uh,
0: that's probably why i've done so well they was putting well on that tough greens well there's uh, another hot topic uh, that was all over twitter this week was slow play on the pga tour so i have a question do you, do you think it's a problem and if you do think it's a problem is there anything that can be done within reason to actually speed up the the, the pace so it's not a six hour round for for 18 holes for professionals
1: yeah it's it's a tricky one um I mean the players know who the slow players are out there, and um guys some guys just struggle to to pull the trigger when, to to hit the ball and they you know they can't hit it till they're hundred percent perfect um uh it's It's sometimes difficult to play fast depending on conditions so uh, if and riviera this last week, you know, it was windy and cold. The course was playing along, wh- along, uh, draining. Um, all that stuff really slows down play, anyway. Um, but you know, I, I, I honestly don't understand why the PGA Tour won't allow uh, distance measuring devices on the golf course uh, for the players. Um, I know I can speed up my round by at least fifteen minutes uh, if I could just walk up the ball, shoot the flag, and and go. Um, a lot of these modern golf courses don't actually even have sprinklers on the golf on the fairways anymore. A lot of are off in the side in a rough, uh, so you have to sort of wander around trying to find a sprinkler, pace it off, write it down. Um, that you know really takes time. Um, I know it's the caddy's job too, but he's still a, he still has to do it. Um, I know that uh, all the yardage books are done with distance measuring devices anyway, so it's pretty much accurate yardage you get. It's just a question of getting it quicker that will speed up play. So I, I know that it will happen one day, that they will allow it because they'll notice that it
0: uh, will definitely speed up play makes sense to me uh the other one that came out this week uh, i don't know if you're a traditionalist on this or uh you're you're for it but the guys can now wear shorts for practice rounds which is going to be if you go out to a practice round it's gonna be weird to see professionals in shorts so curious on your thoughts on that one
1: well yes i mean yeah, the, yeah at least we don't have to play with jacket and ties on anymore like it was in the olden days but uh uh yeah I can see that the guys would like that, especially come we start playing yeah in the middle of the year when you you got these high temperatures and um it uh definitely keeps you a little more hydrated in the practice rounds before you kick off on the Thursday. Um, under European tour it's been sort of a rule for for a number of years now that uh, practice rounds and I think it's great. I think it's something different. I mean, most most amateurs when they go and play, they play in shorts, and uh, I think it they find it quite interesting to to see us play in shorts, and maybe they feel like they can learn something to see how your legs move, how you really address the ball. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good idea, and I think it's it's uh, it's it just takes the game just to another look.
0: I also know you have a love for fine wines. You have your own vineyard in South Africa and, and, and I'm not a wine expert for any sense of imagination. So if I was going to get a recommendation from you on a really good bottle of goose and wine, what would be a good starting or entry point? And is there a certain style or vintage of wine that you produce that you absolutely love? Yeah. In fact, there's
1: a uh, boutique winery now for 15 years in South Africa, um, um i I do like drinking wine i don't drink spirits or or beer so i I really enjoy a glass of wine with my meal and how I really got into it was you know playing around the world whenever you play around the world you're in different countries and you pretty much eat in a different restaurant uh, every night and um and that's how I got into it by having a a different wine from that region or or wines you've never heard from, having a glass of that with your meal. That, that's where my interest started. Um, I do, I do like uh, uh, Argentinian wines and Chilean wines. So those are probably some of my favourites, uh, besides my own wines. But uh, uh, my favourite from my uh, vintage uh, is the Expression series we do, and that's a, a blend of. Um, uh, Shiraz and Cat, uh, So that's sort
0: of my flagship wines. Got two more here for you, and we'll uh, we'll let you get back to the practice and down in Puerto Rico. But I also know you do golf course design and, and architecture is one of your other uh, jobs as well. And my question of that is, do you have general principles that you like to bring into a project or do you sort of, between what the client wants and what the land will let you do, sort of let that be as, as it is in the sense you don't want to disturb it or if you can make it better by being more natural, there's not a template per se. So how do you sort of go about those projects that you're involved in? And is there any principles that, that you think are really important for really good architecture?
1: Well, I think most of us uh, that like doing that, it's it's what kind of land you have. Um, that has a lot to do with, with what design you come up with. Um, but... Uh, Uh, certain designers stick with a certain sort of style they like, like a Pete Dyer likes his style, a Jack Nicklaus likes his style. Um, I've always leaned towards a little bit of a Jack Nicklaus style. I seem to like his golf courses. His golf courses are very, um, very playable for all levels of golf and you can trick it up if you need to, or you can make it play reasonable for the average player. Um, I've always liked the uh,
0: Nicholas designs and my, my feel on that front is very similar to that. Where you want to be able to have it challenging for the best player, but yet have enough width off the tee or enough, not make it overly punishing for the 15 handicap to try to find that balance between the both. And I imagine at times it's got to be difficult to, to bring all those elements mm-hmm. into one golf course design as well, but that's the fun challenge of it. I'm assuming as well. Yes,
1: no, that that's true. It is uh... Uh, it's a fine line between making it uh challenging uh for everyone or just silly you know um some golf courses these days we play can get a little silly with you know fifty hundred yard runoffs and all that kind of stuff uh which is just not really fun for anybody to play but uh you need to it it's it's a fine line um, to design modern golf courses with also with the clubs going this far and uh uh the players you know getting so much stronger and hitting the ball so much further it's a it's a fine line with just building golf courses that are seven and a half thousand yards but you need a you need a golf course that can play seven thousand yards and be very tricky it it's it's uh it's uh, the designers definitely have the challenge
0: these days to uh, do a big combination. And last one I have for you: in your opinion, two or three best golf courses in the world you've played from an architectural standpoint, and they might not even be courses that are played on tour, of course. But is there any two or three that just stand out over the test of time, where you, as a player and as a designer, say, "Man, this is just spectacular!" and, and what makes them so great?
1: Well. Um, <laughs> obviously everybody is going to come up with uh, Augusta as, as uh, uh, one of their favorites, Uh, the design, the layout, the feel about the place. Um, It's not that anybody can just go and play it, but uh, Augusta will definitely be in my top three. And, uh, and then St. Andrews is definitely one of my favorites. Um, It's, it's just the feel about the place, the history. Um, when you, when you walk on a course and you know, this is where this game pretty much started and, um, and you know, the road hole and the 18th hole, all that stuff just makes it so special. Um, those two are definitely there for me. Um, um, I've always also been a fan of golf courses that's not overly long, but quite tricky. Um, if you think about uh, Innisbrook in Tampa, um, where we played the Bells Bar, that's one of my favorite courses too. It's, it's a golf course that requires all the shots um, uh, to keep it on the fairway as well as getting it close to the, close to the flag. Um, so I would say those are my three.
0: Ratif, I really, really appreciate your time today. Play well this week, and um, thanks again for being on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be on.